On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman, the other half of your Locked On Texans duo here to discuss the now 2-6 and six Texans and congratulate them on their 27-25 victory over the now 1-7 Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. Today's episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Of course, today is our recap show. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. No matter where you're listening to our podcast today, number one of five for the week because we are a daily podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the Locked On Texans podcast on all of the major podcasting platforms, Google and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. But as I mentioned, today is our recap show where we look at the game and give a breakdown of what we saw from Sunday's matchup. Deshaun Watson, who once again had a spectacular game Went 19 of 13 from the field with two touchdowns, along with 50 yards on the ground, and helped Houston rush for 100 plus yards for the first time since they played the Jags the first time this season. Sunday matchup also marks the sixth consecutive game. Watson had a passer rating of 100 or more. And after a week of wondering whether or not Will Fuller should still be in town, Will Fuller responded by catching all of his targets, going five for five for 100 yards, including a bomb caught for 77 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks also caught three passes for 86 yards and a touchdown. Will Fuller surpassed DeAndre Hopkins, and we know how spectacular DeAndre Hopkins has been for the Houston Texans, but he surpassed Hopkins for the most reception touchdowns in a player's first 50 game in team history with 21. Romeo Cornell spoke about Will Fuller, and he said, we saw today why I would only take deluxe nuts in trade talk Uh, in in regards to Will Fuller. He continued with, I'm so happy that we have him. Fuller has a touchdown catch in six consecutive games, and I think that definitely speaks to the amount of trust Houston had going back when Bill O'Brien was still in the front office to pick up his fifth-year option. They knew something that we, we may have doubted at the time, coding listeners at home, but He is showing outright now and showing that he is a number one receiver in this league. Defensively, while the Texans allowed 146 yards to wide receiver DJ Chalk, along with allowing 304 passing yards with two touchdowns to rookie Jake Lutton, who started in his first game, history was made for J.J. Watt. Give it up for him. He reached 100 sacks for his career, joining Hall of Famers like Reggie White, DeMarcus Ware, and Bruce Smith reaching 100 sacks in his first 120 games. J.J. Watt on reaching 100 sacks said, I appreciate the sentiment in everything. Mentioned that he felt he should have reached his milestone a few years ago, but it felt good and it was past due. Of course, we will discuss the offense. That will be our priority for our today's show. Uh, as we lost David Johnson to concussion, Senor Kelamente to an injury as well. The offense performed well, especially with the duo of Will Fuller and Brandon Cook. So we're going to discuss them, and we're also going to discuss the defense and their unlucky breaks, what we saw, and the rookie playing time. But 
Cody, we had another day offensively, despite everything that Deshaun Watson has become everything we knew he could be. When we drafted him in 2017, when they gave him his big extension uh, over the offseason. And I want to take time, and I know you wanted to take time, and listeners, I think we deserve to give him time to discuss his greatness despite this abysmal season. Yeah, John, I just wanted to take the moment right now and just appreciate the talent of Deshaun Watson because yes we talked about him a lot this season but given everything that has been going on from Bill O'Brien being fired um, even going back to the offseason with the whole trade of DeAndre Hopkins and you know starting the year off 0-4 then going to 1-6 listen we talk about Deshaun Watson a lot on this show but we haven't done it enough and ladies and gentlemen I just want to say that Deshaun Watson has looked so good this season, especially when you compare it to the first three years of his career. This season, he's looked so much more polished. He no longer looks like the guy who is trying to force something. Even when he is getting pressured, and he got pressured quite often on Sunday, he still looked like he was able to stay calm, cool, and he was still able to go through his read. John, you gave the stats. You mentioned that he helped Houston record over 100 rushing yards for the second time this season. But you forgot to mention that he actually led this team in rushing as he recorded 50 yards on the ground. This man, Deshaun Watson, is great. We know that, but I just wanted to take some time to give this man his flowers, possibly the the first of a million flowers that this man is going to get throughout his career before it's all said and done. But, my God, Deshaun Watson looks phenomenal, and he looks so good this year. And before I give it back to you, John, I just want to say, I cannot wait to see this version of Deshaun Watson play meaningful football again. But this time, having it be for a team, having it be for the Houston Texans winning football games. Hopefully that can be as early as 2021 going into next season. And of course, a big part of that is going to be who they hire as general manager, who they hire as head coach. But John, once again, I just wanted to take a moment right now and just appreciate Deshaun Watson's greatness. And I got to tell you, man, I love that we have this guy here in the city of Houston. Well, what I want to do is take a look at what the Rams were before Sean McVay. And that was the Jeff Fisher era. Now, before I move forward, by no means am I saying a Jared Goff is comparable to Deshaun Watson, even though we know that Jared Goff led, helped lead a team to the Super Bowl and Deshaun Watson has not made a conference game. We know that if, if, if roles were reversed, maybe the Rams would have won that Super Bowl. But we, we need to look at what this team was at least what we saw under Bill O'Brien uh, for this year, right? The four games and even in the past. And I mentioned the Jeff Fisher era of the Rams because if you don't remember, but Todd Gurley, before he had that breakout season the very next year, he called that offense very, very elementary when Jeff Fisher was over it. Uh, Jared Goff looked like he would be out of the league Nick Foles was also a part of that organization at the time who went on to win a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles a few years later. So what I'm getting at is sometimes it's undoubtedly the coach that it's just really handcuffing a player and his abilities and what they can do. I mentioned that this was Deshaun's uh, sixth straight game with a hundred passer rating. 
I mentioned you mentioned how he led the team in rushing. We also have discussed that over the past well, let's just say since Bill O'Brien got fired, and I hate to keep bringing him up, but we've seen an evolution, and I don't even want to call it an evolution of Deshaun. We've just seen what we've always known that can that is there. We just hadn't had the opportunity to see it on a more consistent basis. And I think one thing we're we're getting lost in is the fact that he's moving very well in that pocket. Yesterday on Sunday was maybe the best game I've seen of Deshaun Watson in a very long time where he was moving well, scanning the field while using his feet to either escape pressure or just move up, step around in a pocket. And I think the most beautiful one was when he caught uh, Brandon Cooks for his second catch heading towards the left side of the field. And how he stepped up, moved over, and scanned the field and found him. And the pass matched what he did with his footwork. Those are the things that it's just we're asking ourselves. We may be asking ourselves, why wasn't we seeing this previously? And now in our pregame, we talked about that how maybe Tim Kelly has a shot to be here next year. I disagree. But now with Tim Kelly calling the plays, it just seems like Deshaun Watson is in full control whether it's with his legs, whether it's with his arm, and whether it's just overall how he's scanning the game. The greatness of this grown man who just received his contract, and I hope one day he can, you know, come and and buy some chicken wings from me, but the greatness of Deshaun Wisen has not yet to be written. We have a lot more to go, but it just speaks to the conversation that we're going to have later this week of you have to put him in the right situation with the Knicks head coach and general manager. They have to all be aligned to run this organization well. And you don't want to put that in jeopardy of wasting it. Because that'll suck. That will absolutely suck. But we're going to talk about the offense coming up, right? We're going to talk about what we saw from Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and how John... Some sports guy believes that even when David Johnson comes back from his concussion and we wish him a speedy recovery, he should no longer be the starting running back. Right now, you know, the holidays are coming up, right, Cody? And I I know that we are two Southern men who likes food. You know, I'm a bigger guy, but I also have found myself trying to, not trying, but doing a much better job of making sure I put the right things in my body. My sister makes natural juices from her garden in Dallas. And I, I was ordering some juices and they're phenomenal, by the way. You guys should look into that. DM me if you're you know interested. But I'm drinking these natural juices, getting those fruits and vegetables in my body. But you know what always helps? It's just working out. Staying in shape, man. I'm 28 years old and it feels good when I'm able to go for a run. I'm, I'm getting to a point where I'm I jump roping every day. But I need to take it to another level. And when it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as the feeling of accomplishments of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connecting fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and all their new stride smart treadmills. No matter what your favorite fitness activity is, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your home. And that's the best part about it. You're at home, but you're still getting challenged. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes. 
always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. And one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. You cannot beat that. And right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That is E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash NFL. And we are back on Locked On Texans, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Cody Davis, Johnson Sports Guy Hickman here. Deshaun Watson and the Texans put on an offensive show, enough to help the Texans overcome a lot of injuries. Injuries that they actually sustained throughout this game on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Houston lost four players on Sunday, and one of them was David Johnson. Johnson actually had a short day as he sustained a concussion from Jaguars linebacker Miles Jack early in the first quarter that actually left him sidelined through the remainder of the game. The injury resulted in Duke Johnson becoming Houston's every down back. And John, listeners, I am happy to say that I was actually wrong about Duke Johnson. Now, I'm not about to sit here and boast like, Duke Johnson was Marshawn Lynch or Derrick Henry or anything like that. But I actually like what I saw from him. And and Duke Johnson's performance actually helped the Texans sustain their offensive rhythm throughout this game. He notched a total of 73 yards. 41 of them was coming on the ground. And he also scored his first touchdown of the season. And when you take a look at Duke's overall production that he provided the Texans on Sunday, when you compare it to David Johnson's performance so far this season, this guy possibly only has one, maybe two performances that you can say either match or surpass what we saw from Duke Johnson on Sunday. And what I noticed about Duke, and this is something that has really bugged me about David Johnson, Duke actually possesses the ability to gain extra yardage after the hit. And there were several times throughout this game where Duke was able to pick up a few extra yards after he was tackled that actually helped Houston stay in an offensive rhythm. Especially when it seemed as if the Jaguars defense was able to get Duke Johnson behind the line of scrimmage, but he did just enough to get that extra one or two yards to not only avoid from losing yardage, but it kept Houston's offense on the field, something in which David Johnson does not do very well. What I saw from Duke Johnson on Sunday is basically what I envisioned David Johnson being this season. Because not only were the Texans depending on Duke Johnson to create something out of the backfield, but he was actually able to provide Watson with another reliable target as he recorded 32 reception yards on four targets. Tim Kelly said the goal going into the second half of the season was to make sure he give Duke Johnson more snaps. John, you agree with him? It looks like about 85% of the Texans fans agree with him. I was a little bit on the fence, but I am happy to say that I was wrong. I like what I saw from Duke Johnson. And once again, was his performance eye-popping? Hell no, not by far. But it actually helped keep the Texans in an offensive rhythm. Because when David Johnson is on the field, there has been so many times through these first seven games of the season where you could honestly say he messed up the floor of the offense. I did not get that same vibe from Duke on yesterday. You know, Tim Kelly did mention that we was going to see more of Duke Johnson on first and second downs. And I, I really believe that if it was not for the injury to David Johnson, that would have been a lie because oh, we really right. didn't see much of him in the first quarter. Um, which leads me to continue to, to say 
this coaching staff does not really know what they have because of COVID, because of the limited time they had to prepare in the offseason, which has led to the entire team being unprepared. Uh, and I was really looking forward to seeing Duke. When I say early on, I mean snap one, two, or three. I wanted to see Duke Johnson on the field. We didn't see that. And I, I hate the reason why we saw Duke Johnson was because of the concussion. And so I'm not I'm not alluding to the fact that thank you know you know how some people say thank God for a concussion or thankfully the I'm never going to say that. Uh, but that's why we saw him on the field. And the reason why I like Duke Johnson on the field compared to David Johnson and for the rest of the year, especially if the NFL uh, go ahead and give that eight seed to the, the, to the uh, conferences and allow uh, teams like Houston to have an opportunity to make the playoffs. The reason why I like him on the field more uh, is simply because the offense just looks like it clicks better. Why? Well, with David Johnson – it's become more than predictable, right? Predictable, predictability when David Johnson is on the field is, is if it was predictable, it'd be like, you know what? I really think he's about to run right up the A gap. I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but with David Johnson, it became, it became, if there were 20,000 fans in the stadium, 20,000 fans in the stadium would probably guess the next play when David Johnson was in the game. That was a run right up the A gap, run up to the, run right up of Zach Fulton and probably go nowhere because of the lack of push, especially from Zach Fulton we've seen this year from this offensive line. But with Duke Johnson in the game, you can do a lot of things on offense. And because Duke is still a very good runner and because he, you know, I want to say this, he did not have a good day on the ground. He did catch uh, four passes for 32 yards. He did not have a good day on the ground, but to Duke's point, the offensive line was pushed back more than it pushed forward. And that's an issue. Uh, but Duke Johnson was able to make the best out of little or to no running room. But with Duke on the field, you can put him out there and run a screen with him, right? Or you can have him back there. And because he he's in a place right now, at least for opposing teams on this offense where we hadn't seen a lot of them this year, uh, for this offense and for this team, he's at a place and point where, you know, Houston doesn't use him a lot. So it's unpredictable about what this offense is going to do. And that's the best thing about that for Houston. Like If Houston – is just out there and they're moving fast. When Houston is up-tempo, moving fast, and, and getting into a groove of things and countering by not allowing the opposing teams to get into a groove of things, that's a very dangerous offense. And so when you plug Duke in, that makes your offense much more dangerous because the, if the fans don't know, and we're, we're very good at calling out what's next, if the fans don't know, if, if opposing teams don't know, then you're allowing yourself to win more one-on-one in situational battles. I think we can all agree on that it was a point to force David Johnson because of the trade into, and we've known Bill O'Brien to have a, an ego, right? But uh, I think it was a force to, you know, keep him in and, and, and run him as much as possible to 
prove an I told you so moment. And plus, we're paying him a lot of money, so we need for him to produce. And so that's also an element that I can say that that plays a part into it. Uh, but to move on from the running backs, with the situation with the running backs of David Johnson going out with a concussion and Duke Johnson stepping in and filling a void, uh, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, man, it's good to see a good one-two punt here in Houston after trading DeAndre Hopkins, and that was, uh, you know, that was a part of the questions going into this offseason. You know, will Brandon Cooks be able to hold up? Will Will Fuller be able to hold up? Where will the rest of the guys be able to come in and, and, and sustain themselves and establish themselves, rather, in this offense? But yesterday, the speed of those guys just makes them very good and hard to stop when this offense is moving fast. And I want to—I really want to shout out to Will Fuller. I spoke to Will Fuller last year. Um, this was just on the fly. And uh, he's a very great guy. Uh, and, I, and I've been one of those journalists, reporters to kind of be, be down on him a little bit more because of where we drafted him a few years ago, but mainly because we know the potential of this offense when he was with DeAndre Hopkins, especially, and I watched that game at the stadium at the NRG when they played the Falcons last year, and I was thinking to myself, if we get this all the time, Houston is unbeatable damn near. And so I, I, I've always been down on Will Fuller, but I have to shut the hell up and say, man, you look good. The added weight, you're holding up, you're being durable, and you're going out there. It's not like you're being durable and being on the field, but you're only giving us 50 catches here, 45 catches, and they have a big 83 game, 83 yard. You know, he's going out there and putting up numbers, consecutive touchdowns, and he's playing like the number one receiver we thought he could be when we picked up his fifth-year option. And Brandon Cooks just makes his job a whole lot easier because did you notice early on, Deshaun Watson didn't have to go to Will Fuller. He didn't. So when you have a number one receiver that you don't have to go to until you feel like it's time and necessarily to necessary to feed the beast, that's makes that makes a, a very special connection between those three guys. And then it, it leaks into this offense overall. Then you add in David Johnson, I'm sorry, Duke Johnson, and what he did out the backfield, uh, getting Jordan Atkins back acclimated to the game after missing a few. He dropped a touchdown. Um, but these weapons on any given Sunday can hit you right in the mouth. And you don't know what to do with it because they're probably blowing right past you so damn fast. When you have a game where Will Fuller and Brendan Cooks combined for almost 190 yards and two touchdowns, you're doing something right. And what's out right now are new flavors from Bill Bar that are even more delicious-er. You know, I don't know if you can make that a word. Or delicioso, as you know, I would say if I was watching Dora the Explorer. But they have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six new flavors, which include my favorite caramel brownie and cookies and cream, along with cherry, barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Ooh, along with those 12 original flavors, including mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange toffee, almond. Oh my gosh, Bill Bar does it right. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. 
Built Bar is great for a health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for a keto diet. Overall, it's just too damn good. And you also get a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. So go to BuildBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuildBar.com. Listeners, we really appreciate you guys for sticking around and checking out the show for today on this glorious Monday. I'm happy about this Monday because at 4 o'clock, at 4.01, I'm officially off for the next three days, so I will be having a blast. But I want to say something about our Houston Texans team before we talk about the defense and how abysmal it has been. Outside of punter and Brian Anger, the special teams has been just as bad. I mean, I don't even know why we have DeAndre Carter back there anymore. He rarely returns a punt. And on top of that, he doesn't field it and allows teams to let the ball roll, you know, let it go down a little bit more. It can go from the 15 to the 8, and now the Texans are even more backed up. It's just this team has been so unprepared this year. I don't know what to call it. I may want to call it disgusting, but I don't know. I don't know. This special teams hasn't been good as it has been before. We also know that our previous special team uh, coordinator coach, you know, he, he retired this past year. So we got a new one in. And it's not like he's not putting this team in the best position to succeed. It's just DeAndre Carter has always been a lackluster punt returner. And the defense, well, Cody, I'm going to let you take over for the defense. Well, John, you want to talk about the lackluster performance that the Houston Texans had. But at the end of the day, John, I just truly believe that once again, it shows the lack of talent that this team has. And it's kind of hard to talk about the Texans defensive performance against the Jaguars because there were so many guys out. And it's hard to judge this team based off what we saw yesterday because a lot of these guys nine times out of 10 was third string players that we actually saw out on the field. Now, first and foremost, before moving on, I do want to give a special shout out to JJ Watt. This guy had finally recorded his 100th career sack on yesterday, but he said during his post-game press conference that he did not care about getting the 100 sack, but he was able to enjoy it a little bit more because the Houston Texans actually came away victorious. He also said the milestone did not mean that much to him only because it should have came a couple years ago because so many injuries had kept this guy out. And I do 100% agree with him. If we would have seen a healthy J.J. Watt over the past couple of seasons, especially last year, we would have been saw Watt record his 100 sack. But at the end of the day, kudos that Watt was able to get sack 100. And the best part about it, he did it in a Houston Texans jersey. However, when you take a look at this Houston Texans defense as a whole, like I mentioned, it's very hard to judge their performance because a lot of guys were out. They came into this game missing Dylan Cole. They came into this game missing Bradley Roby due to personal reason. And that's another situation that nobody really truly knows what happened. And of course, with Jacob Martin testing positive for COVID-19, that also led the Texans without Whitney Merciless. But then as the game goes on, injuries took out Scarlett and Amanehu, and that left the Houston Texans defense very, very thin. 
But I do want to give a shout out to Jonathan Grenard. I'm basically going to use this game as his so-called debut. Yes, I know he played a couple games already, but at the end of the day, when you take a look at the number of snaps that he played, he actually played a good amount of time in yesterday's win. And I actually like what I saw. Gennard was able to get to Luton several times throughout the game. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he had four pressures and two of those fours could have ended in a sack. I hate knowing that he ended this game without recording his first sack of his career. But at the end of the day, I like what I saw from Jonathan Grenard, and I also like what I saw from Ross Blacklock as well. He was able to help the Texans stop the run. He got a couple big, nice stops, and I like what I saw from him. And speaking of the amount of pressure that Jonathan Grenard was able to get, the Texans front seven actually had a pretty solid day. They was able to pressure Jake Luton several times throughout this game on yesterday, and that is part of the reason why Luton almost threw five interceptions in this game and I hate knowing that Houston only came away with one interception in this game because they could have ended with five but John looking at what the Texans had out there on the field if Gardner Minshew was playing I do believe the Jaguars would have came away victorious instead of Houston Yes, the Texans were extremely thin on defense, but there is no excuse to allow a rookie quarterback in Jake Luton to record 304 yards and two touchdowns, one of which was a rushing touchdown that almost stole the game from the Texans. Was the defense bad? As always, yes. But just because they won, I think I'm going to give them a pass today. You know, I want to add something to the point you made about Jonathan Gennard not having the best of games. Well, his first game getting snaps like this. So he was gassed, but I liked what I saw out of him uh, in regards to effort, made a couple of plays. He ended the game with three tackles and you're right. Almost had, I don't, I don't want to say it was two sacks. I know for sure. I saw he almost had one just barely uh, couldn't get to him, but I think moving forward, he should continue to get more and more playing time. I know once we get merciless back and, and Martin back, uh, those snap counts would increase. But I would like to see him in some situational packages where it, it makes a little bit more sense to have him out on the field, especially to see what he can do moving forward. Ross Blacklock also had a decent game for the amount of snaps that he received as well. And so those two young rookies, man, uh, I just like seeing what our young guys have. And eventually, I think after what we saw out of Vernon Hargraves, Philip Gaines dropping interceptions, Vernon Hargraves just, you know, not playing good at all. Uh, I think eventually we're going to see John Reed. And that's who I want to see on this defense, especially with, with eight games left. But I mean, I, I just don't know. I think at some point we have to see what we have in them because uh, what we saw out of our secondary at cornerback really, you know, was very disappointing to say the least. And Bradley Roby missed yesterday's game because of a, a personal reason. Uh, and let me say this real quick. <laughs> you guys know I'm always on the side of the players for the most part. Uh, John McClain called out Bradley Roby yesterday. And Aaron Wilson, I'm not going to say he called out Lonnie Johnson, but to the play that Vernon Hargraves with a big play in the first quarter, on third and eight, DJ Chalk caught that 73-yard touchdown. Uh, Aaron Wilson tweeted that something along the lines that Lonnie Johnson was not there with any help over the top. And I looked at that play several times, and that was completely on Vernon Hargraves. But what I'm getting at is 
these players are they're they're not really allowing uh reporters to just I, I I would say spew false information on them anymore. Um Bradley Roby tweeted John McClain back and said this ain't it in regards to uh his tweet, McClain's tweet. And then Lonnie Johnson also clarified what was going on on that defensive play to Aaron Wilson. And I looked at that play several times and I believe that they were in a deep third. There was a stack right. If I look at that field correctly, there was it was a stack right, not stack right, uh, a trips right. It's trips right. And so uh, Lonnie Johnson, who was at safety, did shadow a little bit more heavily on the righter side because there was three receivers on that side. But if you look at that play, um, Vernon did a very terrible job off the line with his release. He got bit on his release, his inside release. And, and from there, uh, Chalk was able to just get right past him. Um, but even with moving forward, I, I very I love the fact that once we get a new head coach, he's going to bring in his own staff. And with his own staff and GM, they're going to evaluate what's on this team and I just hope to God that whoever does not need to be here next year, they are gone from staff and player wise, because what we're seeing out here on the field on Sundays um, on the secondary, it's just not cutting it, but I want to shout out to Terrell Adams, who is filling in for Bernard McKinney on the season, who we know we lost, led the team yesterday in tackles with 12. He is flying around, got the props from JJ White, Romeo Cornell. He's having a very good season, stepping into his role. Uh, for Bernardrick McKinney. Uh, this game should have never been that close defensively. Uh, I like what they did early on, throwing Michael Thomas out there on some blitz packages, and he was getting after uh, Lutton. The defensively, they were mixing it up with the with the coverages and what they were showing. Uh, I, I like that, but it just seems like as the game went on, the Texas defense became more and more lackluster. Am I surprised? Not at all. I'm, I'm coming to expect it. This is Historically, one of the worst defenses Houston has had. I, I expect this. I expect nothing less, as a matter of fact. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on all of the major podcasting platforms. That's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.